0: Welcome to the Caleb and Phil football podcast where two buddies from college review and preview Penn State football and the big college games. Okay, it's time for kickoff.
1: Hello and welcome to the Caleb and Phil football podcast. My name is Caleb. I'll be one of your co-hosts today. Phil, how you doing?
0: I'm doing really well. You know, I just uh, I started at a new school this year and uh the first several days have been have been going really well with the kids. They're they're very sweet, and uh, yes, I know it's the beginning of the school year, but uh, I don't know. There's there's just something different about whenever a kid leaves your classroom and says thank you. That just makes you smile. Uh, I know your wife before we started filming was asking me about if we got slammed by the Ida remnants here in Nova. So uh, what's the rain looking like for you up in PA?
1: Oh, uh, we're getting hammered right now. Not as bad as New Orleans obviously in this whole yeah. state of Louisiana, but um we're about probably about 5 to 6 inches of rain deep so far and it's still going for another couple of hours.
0: Yeah, and it just like with the rain that we have now, like it just it, it really makes you hurt for the people uh in New Orleans and and how it hits them and so, you know, this wasn't in our show notes, but I definitely encourage listeners of the podcast if you can find an organization that is doing work to help with the city of new Orleans, uh, and, and can support them in some way, whether that is through, uh, making donations or prayers or, or anything of that sort, I'm sure that, uh, it will go a long way toward, uh, the, another, I mean, I, I don't know, like if we call it a rebuild yet or, or what we're going to call it, but just helping the people get back on track.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We have, a. Uh, some news in college football because you know we have passed week zero and now we're starting to get into uh, the the best part of the season you know the season itself but first we have some news the first one is uh actually a high school story though and this story i mean caleb the more and more i read about it the more i just like scratch my head and wonder how on earth did this happen do you want to give the rundown of this bishop sycamore high school story
1: yeah, so on Sunday afternoon here on ESPN, they played some high school football games over the weekend, and one of them was IMG Academy versus Bishop Sycamore. IMG Academy, if you're not familiar, is probably one of the two or three biggest high school football schools in mm-hmm. in the country. They rec- they have tons of recruits that I think they have nine in the top 300 this year, they have 10 more in the top 300 next year for recruiting. So they're basically the equivalent of a, of a college football team and schools, I guess don't really want to play them because they don't want to get blown out 58 to nothing like Bishop Sycamore did. So, as ESPN is producing this game, you know, as they're commentating on this game, they're like, man, there's some really sketchy things going on here. We've never heard of Bishop Sycamore. They didn't really give us a good roster of players. They claim they have these D1 recruits, but we're not finding anything to verify any of this. And they look into it, and it turns out this, this school may not really exist. If it does, it's a charter school. They mm-hmm. played, like I said, this game was on Sunday on ESPN. They played a team from Pennsylvania on Friday. So they're putting player safety at risk. There's only about 30 players on the rosters and they're playing both ways. So really putting the safety of these players at risk, their head coach who has since been fired has a warrant out for his arrest. There's um, apparently the Ohio state athletic Intergalactic athletic association there. They don't, um, they don't recognize Bishop Sycamore as a school. They claim to be part of the Texas school, uh, football uh, conference high school football conference down there so there's a lot of fishy things going on a lot of weird things going on and hopefully all the players are safe down there playing two games in 48 hours yeah
0: I mean it's a physical sport and, and Caleb last night I sent you a, a link to the Bishop Sycamore website and you know like I, I say website kind of facetiously because there, there really wasn't anything on there there was like a blank home page with a football player and nothing else and then I just pulled up the website again and I'm taken to a non-secure site where it says our site is coming soon and saying that they are doing some quote-unquote maintenance. Uh like this is a mess and I think the coach like I think his warrant is based to like domestic violence or some other, you know, uh some other case of something not good or might be fraud and uh let me see what what's his name? Roy Johnson or something. Um let's see. But it, no. it really is just a mess to think that this kind of stuff can happen and see that, like, how how does this not get better vetted? I know ESPN kind of blamed their talent management person, but mm-hmm. let's be honest, like, you guys should have done a little better about that. Okay, so his charges are failing to appear uh, to a hearing based off it. Is that what I'm seeing? I think that's what I'm seeing online. Yeah, so it's just a whole mess, and we'll see how it plays out, but definitely uh, not something I expected. Next, though, uh, we are going to go ahead and transition up to college football because we don't want to give this negative story too, too much attention. Uh, We want to look at Ohio State. They had a difficult decision because they have an embarrassment of riches whenever it comes to their recruiting pool. Uh, They ended up naming a five-star redshirt freshman, C.J. Stroud, as their starting quarterback versus Minnesota. This is the – Stroud was who I was thinking was going to win the talk. Coming out of camps uh, and practice, his name was the one I heard the most. He beat out four-star redshirt freshman Jack Miller and five-star true freshman Kyle McCord. Also, there is – what's his first name of Ewing or, or is it Caleb Ewing? Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers, uh, who is skipping his last year of high school, but uh, he's not really in the mix right now.
1: Yeah, he joined the party too late, so I don't think he was really ever a consideration for week one.
0: That's kind of what I was thinking, too. Uh, So Stroud's going to be getting the start and go ahead against Minnesota, but uh, definitely should be an exciting, explosive team to watch, as much as it pains me to say.
1: Yeah, for sure, and um, uh, we'll get to our picks later, but he's already one of the five or six favorites for the Heisman Trophy.
0: Yeah, he's a good dude. Next one, Uh, Caleb, do you remember this past season in the NFL whenever the Broncos are having a hard time with the quarterback and they looked at their assistant coach, like their offensive coordinator playing quarterback or something like that?
1: Yeah, I think he graduated from UCF or something and was just out of college, so he he could have played quarterback from them. But unfortunately, the No Fun League stepped in and said he couldn't do it.
0: Yeah, so uh, in this case, the NCAA is going to allow something like that happen. After... Uh, South Carolina goes through some injuries, some transfers, and and so on. They were stuck needing a quarterback, and so graduate assistant Zeb Nolan, who has played for uh, North Dakota State and I forget the other school right now, but he will be stepping down from his graduate assistant role to be the starting quarterback for Beamer Ball in South Carolina. A very cool story to follow. Uh, I am... I'm going to be very interested to see what kind of numbers he puts up. Um, he has a sixth year of eligibility. I think that's due to the COVID uh, to the COVID year, and so it's cool that he's getting the shot because he had kind of hung up his playing uh, days and to focus on coaching. But the dream's not over, Caleb.
1: Yeah, good for him. You know, you get to go play in a, maybe the best conference in college football, but. I mean, it's probably not the best for South Carolina's chances to be a competitive team this year.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like, let's be honest, South Carolina—I don't think they're going to sniff the top of their uh, of their division in the SEC. So, um, might as well try something. Central Michigan head coach Jim McElwain—they're going to have to figure something out because he's going to be missing the opener after appendicitis. You know, appendicitis is uh, is definitely crazy stuff. Whenever your body, you know, basically tries to poison you. And so I'm glad that he will be on the mend, but uh, definitely a sticky situation for Central Michigan as they uh, have to navigate, you know, who's going to be taking over what, obviously they have a a structure in place for who's going to be calling the plays, but it's just different whenever you don't have the head coach there uh, organizing it all as Central Michigan prepares to open up their season.
1: Yeah, I think uh, they said the offensive coordinator is going to take over the head coaching duties for this week. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Jim McElwain, former Florida head coach, uh, didn't have too much success there. So yeah, prayers up for him and his family. Um, usually appendicitis, though, isn't too bad of a surgery, and hopefully he'll be able to recover quickly.
0: Yeah, I still have my appendix. Do you, Caleb?
1: I do. And don't doctors say they don't know why you need your appendix? So that's like a thing that they can easily remove without you know much change to your bodily mm-hmm. function. So it's a weird weird organ down there
0: yeah i'm like i always wonder that too because like i have you know i had a friend recently who had to get his gallbladder removed i'm like oh is that like the appendix like can you just like take that out like what else can be taken? it i don't know like your kidneys you know you only need one of them to work it's just it's weird to me so the human body for you and that's why we do a college football podcast not a human body podcast um Big 12 is looking at adding BYU to the conference. I mean, conference add-ins and and everything else, uh, conference realignments are, are really just kind of a mess right now. And that's one of the exciting parts of college football, but uh, it's also a very confusing part of college football for sure.
1: Yeah, if um, the Big 12 decides to expand to get back you know, to 12, 10, 12, or 14 teams outside of the AAC conference, BYU is probably the best team that you can add for football. Uh, history there
0: absolutely and then one last bit of uh of news to cover oklahoma versus tulane obviously we mentioned it at the top of the show with hurricane ida coming in and slamming the gulf coast specifically louisiana they are not going to be playing their game at tulane in new orleans this week Uh, possibility the game will be moved to norman or canceled as of right now, we're recording at 7.46 p.m. on Wednesday. Uh, I have not heard anything, Caleb. I don't know if you saw something, uh, but, you know, it's it's still in limbo as far as I'm aware.
1: No, I have not heard any updates to this since I put it in the show notes over the weekend. But um, I know they play another game in Norman in a couple years. So if they move the game to Norman, maybe the game in 2024, I think it is 2023 or 2024 can be moved to back to new Orleans. So Tulane can be the home team there. Yeah. And then but I think Oklahoma has other things to worry about in the future with switching conferences. So they might not be too worried about that at the moment.
0: Yeah, probably not a stressor at all. So, you know, that's a lot of the news that is, that is going on in the college football world. Uh, Also just want to give one more shout out. And again, this was not in the notes, but just something that uh, I've been thinking on my, and that has been passing through my mind a lot recently is the situation in Afghanistan. Uh, As you know, unfortunately, uh, the Taliban has taken over again, and there are a lot of people in need that are in crisis. I, as far as I am aware, from what I have been reading, we still have some Americans that are having a hard time getting back there. Uh, there are a lot of organizations out there that are looking to provide support to uh, the people that are that are in danger and need help. And so uh, I know donors.org has uh, a site where you can go and donate to the Afghan refugees. And others, I definitely encourage you, uh, if you you know if you are a believer, to take some time to pray over this situation. It's it's absolutely crazy uh, what has happened there after you know the twenty years that we spent in that country. It's a uh, it's sad news. Mm-hmm. Again, as we are looking ahead to week one, uh, we do want to spend some time looking back at the games that were played this weekend, even though I'll be honest, Caleb, I had one game on and it was so dull. I turned it off Um, and I'm a little embarrassed to say that, but I I had to do it. I had to for my sanity. You want to go ahead and start our recap?
1: Yeah, we did have a few games. We had five FBS games this past weekend and what, We now call week zero. Um, Four of them were pretty much blowouts that we'll quickly go over here. You know, talk about any of these if you want to. If anything piques your interest here, we had Fresno State shutting out UConn forty-five nothing. UCLA blowing out Hawaii forty-four to ten. UTEP beating New Mexico State thirty to three. And maybe the closest one of the bunch here, San Jose State defeating Southern Utah out of FCS 45-14. to So any of these games stick out to you, Phil? Anything notable to take away from these four games?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it has to be the UCLA game with Michigan transfer Zach Charbonnet making his first start for the Bruins. I had forgotten that he had transferred until uh, I was watching the highlights of that game. But, I mean... You know, you said it's six rush or you have it here six rushes, 106 yards, three touchdowns. I saw one of his long touchdown runs and it was impressive. So, uh, I don't know what's going to be his ultimate fate with this team. He was a pretty good back for Michigan. Like I wouldn't call him a lights out back, but, but pretty good. And I don't know what the Hawaii team is going to be yet. Um but impressive by him. How about you? Did any of these pop for you?
1: No, not really. I mean, UConn and New Mexico State are two of probably the five or ten worst teams in FBS, San Jose mm-hmm. State being an FCS team. So, yeah, nothing really sticking out there. Although, yeah. I'll say it's, it was strange watching a Hawaii game that uh, didn't start at around midnight Eastern time. It was a little <laughs> earlier since uh, since there's only five games on. I guess they got a little more primetime viewing.
0: Yeah, fancy. How about Big Ten?
1: Yeah, there was one Big Ten game this week in Illinois. Wins in Brett Bielema's debut, returning to the Big Ten West. They beat Nebraska 30-22. to 22. The game started with a safety after uh, the Nebraska punt returner kind of slipped as he was falling backwards into the end zone, tried to throw the ball out of the end zone, got a penalty. and So the first points of the season, I think this was the first game, uh, the first one that started by time. So the first points of the season were safety. Kudos to you if you called that. Illinois had to bring in their backup quarterback as Brandon Peters got injured. So this was a Rutgers transfer, Archer Sitkowski. He had himself a game, 12 for 15, 124 yards and two touchdowns, no interceptions. Adrian Martinez for Nebraska feels like he's been there forever at this point. Mm -hmm. Had a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown. And this may be the final nail in the coffin for Scott Frost. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean – First, you brought up uh, Adrian Martinez, who like I feel like every year there's a quarterback like this. Uh, last year we had two Shane Bouchelle and Sam Ellinger. Um, now it definitely feels like that with uh, with Adrian Martinez. This like I, I feel like the Frost experiment was tried. It was a noble attempt. He had awesome success at UCF. You know he brought in the unofficial national championship with an undefeated uh, Knights team for UCF, but. It never converted to Nebraska. I mean, he he came in. Expe- I expected him to sort of dominate the recruiting field uh, in the Big Ten because of his success, but it didn't happen. Or, like, to the very least, at least compete with Ohio State. Uh, but, again, never happened. And uh, now, I mean, Brett Bielma is not exactly what I would consider as a uh, – as a great head coach by any stretch of the imagination, especially after he left Wisconsin the way he did. And uh, now, like, I'd give him the season because he's an alumni and, or because he's an alumnus, but then I'd say, hey, man, you got to walk. We, we need to find something else. And the Nebraska rebuild just continues. Uh, what do you think? Do you think he can make it the season, or do you think they're going to say, no, get out of here?
1: No, I don't think there's any realistic chance. I don't think Nebraska is going to turn it around here and win eight, nine games this season. So, yeah, I feel like the most likely scenario is they win five or six games, let them ride out (laughs) the season. There's really no advantage to firing him yet at this point. You're not going to really get a head start on, you know, who the – vacant head coaches are and who who you can go out there and recruit. So if they right. if they get to five or six wins, which they should get I think their last three games are really tough. They're probably gonna lose their last three games, at least two of those. So they could get to something like five and six and three, five and four, which is which isn't too bad. And then you lose their last couple there. But if this goes off the rails, if they start zero and three, zero and four, zero and five, they might have to fire him before that. If it gets to if it gets that bad, but I don't think that'll happen. I think their next opponents a bit easier. Although Illinois is, you know, obviously near the bottom of the Big Ten usually, so can't get right. much easier than that. So if as long as they win next week, yeah, I think they should be able to right the ship to five or six wins, and Scott Frost will be dismissed in the off season.
0: You think it's too late to put Bishop Sycamore on their on their schedule?
1: Yeah, well, they had four games canceled, so they're looking for <laughs> opponents.
0: There you go. Uh, as we continue to move down from the Big Ten games, we have some awesome Penn State news uh, coming out. And the first one uh, is that I want to look at are our team captains. We have Jaquan Brisker, PJ for Sean Clifford, Jordan Stout, friend of the show, Jonathan Jonathan Sutherland, and uh, Rasheed Walker, all his team captains. This is the first time Clifford and Sutherland, uh, or they are the first three-time team captains, rather. So Clifford and Sutherland uh, with the awesome honor there. Caleb, I mean, I feel like this is a solid group of guys. At the end of last season, I thought we're losing a lot of talent. But as I see these names here, and, and we're going to go down through the roster here uh, momentarily, I feel like we have a solid. I feel like we do have a solid core returning, which uh makes me breathe a little easier. How about you?
1: Yeah, I mean I feel like the starting quarterback's in auto captain, so it makes sense for Clifford. Sutherland being two time kind of captain before that, he makes sense. Stout being the special teams captain makes sense. A little surprised Tariq Fields isn't there since he's mm. returning for another season, but uh I still have a lot of faith, obviously, in guys like Sutherland and Jaquan Brisker. PJ must have run the defensive side. So, no complaints there for any of these captains.
0: Yeah. Uh, one weird piece of information, or at least I think it's weird Penn State is not going to publicly reveal their depth charts this season. Maybe it's a strategic thing that way, Like, especially for the first game, Wisconsin doesn't know who to prepare for. And after that, people aren't totally sure. I don't really like that move. I, like, I feel like from a a respect angle, it's a, you know, let's let's show both sides who our players are and then on the field settle it rather than these mind games. That could just be me uh, in this case. And who knows? I might change my mind in, like, two weeks after it works out brilliantly. But but what are your thoughts on it, Caleb?
1: I agree with you. Apparently some other Big Ten teams, it, schools do this. so I guess that's why Penn State decided to follow in their footsteps. Mm. But – yeah, I mean, what are, what advantages are you going to learn, get from this? Um, we all know Sean Clifford's starting, so there's no, is he a passing quarterback, is he a running quarterback? We know who the starting quarterback is, and does really any other position matter that much that you need to keep it under wraps? And yeah, again, after the first game at Wisconsin here, the first two games... Everyone's going to have the tape of who's playing the most snaps and everything right. like that, who's starting the quarter, first half, who's starting the second half, who's getting the most playing time. So you, you're going to know these things anyways after two to three games. So, I mean, I guess I kind of get it for Wisconsin because it's a little trickery. But again, we you know who the starting quarterback is. It's going to be Clifford. So uh, I don't really see a point to this.
0: Yeah. As we we move from this, and and I do want to spend some time breaking down roster positions here. Uh, We don't have to spend too much time on all of these positions because some of them are just obvious. And one of the ones that you mentioned, Caleb, was the quarterback position. We have Sean Clifford starting, uh, and then he's going to be backed up by Taquan uh, Roberson and Christian Veyu. We also have Mason Stahl. He is a freshman quarterback uh, as well. Clifford entering his senior season had some ups and downs Uh, two years ago after he got injured and then last year had some ups and downs a lot of downs to start the year but toward the end of the season started to pick back up to the quarterback that we saw when he first started at Penn State which version of Sean Clifford are we getting this year do you think
1: Hopefully the good one. I'm pretty confident in a lot of the rest of this roster. Um, We had Adisa Isaac getting injured on defensive line, you know, hurts that position group Mm -hmm. a little bit. But other than that, I feel pretty good about most of these position groups. So if we get good Sean Clifford, I think this can be a 10, 11, 12 win team, maybe even, you know, fighting for the Big Ten championship. If we get last year, Sean Clifford, or, you know, just just maybe a step up from that. You know, this is probably a 7, 8, nine-win team at best in that case scenario. So that differentiates you from having a great season versus just a good to mediocre season. So to me, this is the most important one. Roberson doesn't really have any uh, meaningful snaps back there at the backup position, so it's Mm -hmm. really all on Sean Clifford unless Roberson is some kind of um, revelation back there if Clifford struggles or gets injured for whatever reason. So, yeah, to me – it's not just because the quarterback's the most important position, but from the kind of Jekyll and Hyde we've seen from Sean Clifford over the last two years, this is this is obviously the most important position for Penn State's successful season or not.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree, and and I think Clifford has that potential. Whenever we get to the running back position, the Lawn boys, uh, this is the position I feel the most confident in. We have some awesome players. Uh, We're assuming, obviously, that Noah Kane is going to be the starter. He was by far the best running back in that backfield Uh, last season before he got injured and before then. He's just somebody you can depend on. So Noah Kane... Uh, we have uh, who is Kevon Lee, who also showed some some splashes last year. We have a Baylor transfer, love it. We have Devin Ford from Virginia Beach and Kaziah Holmes. Uh, on this list, I am assuming that we are going to still do a running back by committee approach. I think Jawan Sater, the running back coach, found a good way to make it work. Uh, I don't think it's going to be as heavily, uh, you know, on this down, this running back goes, this down this running back goes. I think Noah Cain will still have the heavy load, but I'm not going to be surprised if like on third downs he steps out and they put in somebody like Devin Ford or Keevon Lee or, or somebody else just to give him a breather because Noah Cain, as good as he is, he has kind of, well, not kind of, he has had some injury issues. What are, how are you thinking uh, the offense is going to pr- approach this, Caleb?
1: Yeah, I'm completely with you. Maybe, maybe something like Noah King gets the first drive, Kevon Lee, the second drive, bring back Noah Kane on the third drive. Mm -hmm. Like you said, shuffle in some third down passing work for maybe someone like Devin Ford, maybe Jordan Lovett, someone or someone is like the goal linebacker or something like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's going to be interesting, especially for someone like Kazaya Holmes, who got so much work last year. And if no injuries occur, he might get barely any work this year. So is he going to be able to stay focused, stay patient keep up that hard work and practice to be able to show that he deserves playing time this season and in the future, despite being now essentially fifth on the depth chart. Yeah.
0: Another position as we move from, from running back and those are, those are good points too. Uh, I want to look at wide receiver as well. This is a position that going into last season really concerned me, but I, I do feel like this is becoming another position of strength. We uh, got Jahan Dotson and uh, Parker Washington as the unquestionable starters. These are these guys have the best hands on that team. Whenever it comes to catching passes, uh, we're looking at Lambert Smith as the potential wide receiver three spot. I could see Cam Sullivan Brown slipping in there too, but I do think Lambert Smith uh, plays or has shown more flashes. i have heard his name more and. Daniel George, Caleb, is this guy like 70 now? He he will be on the team, has a hard time catching passes. I am not a big Daniel George fan by any stretch of the imagination, but because of the amount of time he has spent on the team, he will probably see uh, some snaps as well. I'm hoping that this will be a season where he, he figures out how to secure catches more frequently, and he has an awesome season. But uh, so far, he... There's been a lot of times where uh, I've kind of like sunk in my head in, in frustration after a, an easy drop pass.
1: Uh, definitely, I agree with most of what you said here. Uh, Parker Washington, obviously being last year's revelation as a freshman coming in and really solidifying that wide wide receiver two spot. Mm-hmm. I like our tight ends. I think you, we can even throw out two running backs at times. So maybe we won't have won't, we won't be doing too many three wide receiver sets. Right. If especially if Lambert Smith or Sullivan Brown can't really latch on there as the third wide receiver. We already have said our doubts many times over about Daniel George. I'm sure he'll get in there sometimes and maybe you know, maybe i will catch like three balls this year instead of the two we caught last year, whatever it was. But um yeah, this is – I feel much better about wide receiver position going into this year than I did last year, and that's in main part uh, Parker Washington.
0: Yeah, and, and so speaking – you brought up the the offensive play sets and, and who's going to be coming out on what downs and stuff. We have a new offensive coordinator, so we're also going to have to see what kind of offense he runs here. And so I could also potentially see – and as we go down to tight end, I could see – them throwing brenton strange and theo johnson out there maybe put johnson or strange in the slot and and the other one on the line Uh, they are they're good players i was really concerned after uh, pat Fryermuth was leaving early and became a pittsburgh Steeler. uh, i was initially concerned about what was going to happen to that tight end position because you know firemuth went down with the injury very quickly they showed that no we're going to be just fine at that position, and, and so I am excited to see how they do. I'm not sure which one, I mean, obviously, I think Brenton Strange is going to get the start, but I'm not sure which one is going to have the larger impact at the tight end role, um, still leaning towards Strange. But again, Theo Johnson, pretty uh, pretty exciting recruit whenever he committed. We'll see what happens there.
1: Yeah, tight end position with unfortunate uh, Pat Frymuth going down and not being able to play most of the season last year. Mm -hmm. It's really opened up uh, more playing time for Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson, and they took advantage of it. And I think that's going to be really one of the blessings in disguise from last year's terrible start to the season, that these guys got more playing time, and now I think they're going to be even better this year.
0: Starting offensive line is looking like uh, Walker. You know, we mentioned before team captain at left tackle. Uh, Miranda at center. We got Juice Scruggs at right guard. Caden Wallace there. We're, I don't know if we're totally sure about left guard. We have Anthony Wigan, And we also have Harford transfer Eric Wilson. Uh, looking like they're going to rotate. I wouldn't be surprised if one of those guys ends up securing the position. A name I want people to keep an eye or keep an ear open for is Juice Scruggs. Even last season before he was starting, there was a, a lot of positive talk about Juice Scruggs. There's a lot of positive talk about him even before then, too, about being like a potential first-round draft pick, and he hadn't even played yet. So keep an eye out for him. See how he does. I know I'm going to be paying close attention to him uh, as well, and, and I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing a rebuilt, sturdy offensive line. That way Clifford can get the time he needs to throw, and Kane can get the holes he needs to get some big runs going into this season.
1: Um, I really would have liked to see one of these guys, whether Wigan, Wilson, Wormley, Holmes, one of these guys take over and really secure, really grab a hold of that left guard position. But Mm -hmm. if you're going to have one spot where you're not really sure yet, I'm glad it's right next to your anchor there at left tackle, Rasheed Walker, who I even saw in a couple mock drafts, early mock drafts for – for the 2022 draft that he might be a borderline first, second round yep. pick there. So I really like Rasheed Walker. And yeah, again, if, so if you're going to have one week spot, I guess it's fine that it's on his side of the offensive line, Miranda in there with a lot of experience. And like you said, Drew Scruggs, I think may end up being the best offensive lineman of the bunch here out of these five starters, you know, six or seven, I'm sure we'll rotate in at some point.
0: Yeah. And I've seen, I think three of these names in mock drafts, Walker, uh, Scruggs and Miranda, Miranda, obviously going later, but this should, this should be a good offensive line. It better be.
1: Yeah. They definitely have to, uh, I have to see it before I believe it with them. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm optimistic, but, uh, you know, definitely some, some caution. there. cautiously optimistic is what I'll say about the offensive line right now.
0: Yeah. There's been a lot of times where this offensive line has been like, uh, you know, you you go to take a bite out of a birthday cake and you find out that it's got like that disgusting fondant icing all over it. You know, it looks really pretty. It should be awesome. And then it just tastes gross. Uh, Flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, the defensive line should have a very interesting look this year. As you pointed out earlier, Adisa Isaac defensive end, somebody that was going to be lights out for us this season. I have no doubt is out for the season. Um, it's looking like uh, across the defensive line, we're gonna have Temple transfer Arnold. Uh, what? How would you? How would you say this? Uh, Epiketi.
1: Yeah, I, I think it could go either way.
0: Yeah. And Nick Tarberton, uh, they are the two favorites for the defensive end position. But don't be surprised if Jesse Lukita steps down from linebacker and spends some time on the defensive end. At defensive tackle, I feel strong about this with PJ Mustipher. Starting there, Hakeem Beeman and Duke transfer Derek Tangelo also there. But uh, across that line, again, I think Mustafer, I think he'll have himself a season uh, to, to remember. You know, we've had Shaka Tony. We've had um, really a lot of guys across the defensive line perform very well. Yitor Gros Matos, so uh, I would expect P.J. Mustapher to to play well. At the linebacker core, we have Curtis Jacobs, Jesse Lukita, Ellis Brooks, and Brandon Smith, a really strong linebacker core. Out of linebacker, you. Caleb, I mean, what are you thinking of our front seven?
1: Yeah, I mean, you obviously have to be a little bit skeptical about the defensive ends right now, but mm-hmm. I think Ebiketti's going to have a great season. I think he's going to have 10-plus sacks this year. Tarburn, a little more unsure about. But I do like the the interior of the defensive line with Mustafer Beeman. I really liked last year bringing in a transfer, so an older presence there in Tangelo. I think the interior of the defensive line, but um, we need those guys on the outside, obviously, to rush the passer. They're the guys that usually pack up bring up the most sack numbers. And, yeah, like you said, the linebackers, are, they have the talent there, especially Brandon Smith, the five-star recruit. He mm-hmm. should be the next great uh, Penn State linebacker, and if he can take that step, um, I feel pretty good about this front seven of the defense.
0: Yeah, I would love to see a Dick Buckus Award winner. Uh, come out of this linebacker group. The ta- Like you said, the talent is there. It is a strong group. Um, it, is, it is improved, I would say, from uh, last season. Although last season it was also really good. So, yeah, I don't know. At the defensive back, this is which is weird for me. This is probably the position on the defense that I feel the most confident in Mm -hmm. because our starters are Tariq Castro-Fields coming back, taking advantage of the extra COVID year, and Joey Porter Jr. Joey Porter Jr. I I think is the best cornerback uh, on this team, and I think he has the potential to be the best cornerback in the Big Ten. He is a a good shutdown defensive back. Uh, I know we've got some good – true freshman. We have a good true freshman in Kalen King. We got a South Carolina transfer, Johnny Dixon. And so I feel like this is a position of strength for us. And uh, and again, Joey Porter Jr., keep your ears open for him. He is a good, good player. At the safety position, we have Jaquan Brisker and J.R. Brown uh, expecting to start. J- Jonathan Sutherland and then Keaton Ellis. Keep an eye out for them as well. Um, what do you think, Kelp? Like, here I am talking to the microphone about how excited I am about the defensive backs. Are you seeing this as a position of, of strength or are you seeing this uh, or are you seeing some holes here?
1: No, I like the defensive back as well. Um, Like we've said in the past, you need five, six, seven guys out there at sometimes now with all these spread offenses and everything like that, especially against the team like Ohio State. If you're going to stack up with their top wide receiver duo, you're going to need really good cornerbacks and safeties to cover all these guys. So it's great to have the the season veteranness of. Castro fields coming back after he basically missed all of last season. Yep. If Parker Washington was the revelation on offense, Porter jr. Was on defense Mm -hmm. and maybe not quite to the extent, but they're talking up Kalen King. Yes. Kalen King, similarly to Joey Porter jr. Of last year. So, I'm I'm really excited for him in the future. So if you know if we get an injury, if we maybe he'll line up as like the nickel cornerback to start. I'm guessing maybe Johnny Dixon will kind of be that the nickel corner to start. Yeah. off for now because he is more experienced at at the moment. Cool to see Jaquan Brisker and Jair Brown both coming from Lackawanna College. They're both starters now here for Penn State, so that's cool to see. And the final note I have in here is Sutherland couldn't see timeout linebacker, especially if Lukita's moving down to defensive end, that edge rusher position. Maybe we'll see more of Jonathan Sutherland, who will, well, again, wear number zero this year. Pretty cool. at some linebacker positions, so he could help. If you have a converted safety down there at linebacker, he should be able to help cover those those tight ends and running backs coming out of the backfield.
0: Yeah, and, and you know I think you mentioned earlier, your your thoughts on Sutherland a little bit i st- like my ju- my jury is still out on him mm-hmm. i think that i've seen him miss a, a number of plays on special teams like he's 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 fine on special teams but i don't know if i'm sold on him yet which is weird cuz he's a senior now right or is he a junior
1: if he's the third I, year um, uh, captain he's got to be at least a senior probably maybe even a fifth yeah that's
0: year kind senior. of what i was thinking too so I don't know. Like I, I want to like the guy. I think he's a. I think he is a likable guy. I just, I don't know how I feel about the the talent and if that correlates at all. But yeah, again, hoping Keaton prove Ellis me wrong
1: gets more playing time over him right now. But hopefully, Jonathan. Yeah, like you said, prove me wrong, Jonathan Sutherland.
0: Yeah, uh, he is a senior. So yep, you're right. Special teams, one of our favorite parts of the uh, of the team. Punter, new punter. Colgate transfer, Barney Amour, I love that. Do you get it? Mm-hmm. Amour? I love it. He's probably going to be your starting punter or our starting punter. On the kicking side, we have Jordan Stout front of the show and Jake Pinninger still splitting the kickoff do- or the kicking duties. Stout doing the kickoffs. killed. why hasn't Stout just won the kicking pos- position?
1: Well, I'm hoping that now that we have a true punter here, I'm hoping Barney Amore wins that job. So it's mm-hmm. one less thing on Jordan Stout's plate. So now hopefully that means he can take over all the kicking duties unless Jordan Penninger can prove that he is a more reliable kicker than he's shown over his yeah. tenure here.
0: Well, and, and that's what gets me is, is Jordan Stout, front of the show, has pointed out many times – that he is a reliable kicker, and he hasn't pointed out by speaking it, but by his actions, by going out there and making those kicks. Jake Pinnaker, I feel like, has missed a lot of easy kicks, and so my thought is, if you can start Stout, just start him, so I, I don't know. Um, Chris Stoll is going to be the long snapper. Jordan Stout and Rafael Chica or Cheka are going to split the holding responsibilities I don't know why we're splitting the holding responsibilities Um, I like to keep it consistent but you know I'm not a head coach so take that for what it's worth Devin Ford being the return man and Jahan Dotson for the punt returner again smart moves there Uh, I don't know Caleb The, the only like I said smart moves you surprised Dotson's not returning kicks though
1: um, I don't know. He was really good on the punt returns last year. They're the ones in practice. Maybe Devin Ford, they've seen as a better kick returner, or maybe mm-hmm. they don't want Dotson out there on those kick returns. Maybe that is just too much, too much risk for it or something like that. Yeah. You know, out a running back you know, who we think is a deeper position. I don't know.
0: Yeah. And I'm wondering too, if like Devin Ford has a different acceleration that, that is optimal for the kick returns or whatever. Because, you know, when, when you thinking about it, returning kicks and punts obviously they're in the names but it's different like if you play if you play Madden or the old NCAA football games like the returning the ball the ball is kicked basically the same way you catch it the same way but it's not in actuality and so you know maybe Dotson has the the more sure hands on those punts which are typically trickier to catch because you have the defense right there in front of you um I don't know. I'm excited for this. I, I think special teams is a position of strength. And I think that if you want to win the tight, tough games, you have got to win. Uh, you got to win special teams. And and so them. yeah, I think it's going to be a strong spot for us. Coaching wise, thankfully, we talked about it last season. Uh, I was very frustrated with the offensive coordinator that we had, Kirk Shiraka. And, you know, I felt bad because it was his first year saying, like, I think this guy needs to go. But clearly coaching staff for Penn State also felt that need. And so they called up their buddies from Texas, and they're bringing in Mike Yersich as the new offensive coordinator. Caleb, I am excited because I'm thinking we're going to see some some things in the offense, maybe some more retro formations like the, like the I formation. And some others that I think will just give our our offense an added layer of depth and help us in those short yardage situations where I think we typically have been struggling for the last two, three years.
1: Mm-hmm. And good news is, I mean, it, I don't think it really matters, is Jursich will be on the sideline calling plays. He won't be up in the booth, up in the box calling plays. He'll be down on the sideline, which... <laughs> Is it? I mean, it's a different perspective. I'm sure he has someone up there helping him, you know, talking down to him, giving him the information he needs. But it'll be yeah. good to see him on the sideline. I think.
0: Yeah, I think it's good to have, especially for the offensive coordinator. I think it's good to have him down there to help better explain the nuances with the player. There, it's kind of like, and and you know, hopefully, I I don't awaken or or trigger any frustration here. It, it's it's kind of like virtual learning. You know, I say this as a teacher, and and if there are parents listening to this show, you know, I'm I'm sure many of you. As, as your child is going through virtual learning, it's like, ah, oh, man, I just wish my kid was in the room with the teacher. Speaking as a teacher, you know, as soon as things were were safe, we were ready to bring them in. We we wanted our kids uh, to be safe. But having having somebody there to be able to talk through those things, I think it's helpful, especially like, you know, if Clifford goes out there and throws a pick, your sister can go right to him and help, you know, shake it off. Mm-hmm. Overall, we are looking – uh, ahead at a season that I think is going to be much more positive than last year. And so, you know, Kilb, we both have our record predictions here. As I'm looking through the schedule, I mean, I'm liking what I see. Uh, I'm not going to say my thoughts on Wisconsin because that's a pick later, but I mean, I think we're going to beat teams like Ball State. I think we're going to beat Villanova. Uh, I think we're going to come back. I think we're going to take down Indiana. And, you know, I I don't see us losing to Maryland again because I think we're going to get a lot of things fixed. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I think that there are two games that we will probably... Well, I think there are two definite losses, which is sad for me to say. I think we definitely lose to Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Um, frustrating, but who knows? Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. And being at Iowa is tough. I think depending on how cohesive this unit is with the new offensive play calling, we I think we can win that game. But as of right now... Based off, based off just like you know recency bias, I think we lose at Iowa. I think we lose at Ohio State, and I can also see us you know potentially losing one other weird game. But as of right now, like I see us starting the season out strong. I see us winning. I see us going nine and three. But I can totally see us going ten and two. How about you?
1: Yep, I'm going a little more optimistic. I'm saying ten and two right now. I totally agree on the Ohio state one. It's uh, they're just the more talented team. We're going to them in Columbus this year. So it's going to be hard to see beating them. I won't say who I think the other losses to could be Wisconsin could not be Wisconsin. You'll have to see my pick later in the show.
0: Ooh, nice. That's a, that's a way to keep the listener coming back for more. Nice. Gil, where we look at the ranks, they are Penn state, the Nittany lions. They are number 19 in the AP poll, number 20 in the coaches poll. I feel like that seems about right this season, Caleb. I mean, honestly, I was I was happy to be ranked at all. I felt like after how last season ended, we certainly showed that we are a a top twenty five team. Um, do you have any particular feelings of satisfaction or frustration about our rank?
1: No, I think that's fair. I think if we go nine and three or ten and two, you know, number nineteen or twenty is basically bare minimum of where Penn State will be ranked at the end of the season. But um, obviously, there's a there's Due to be some skepticism skepticism of the team after their zero five start last year, so I think nineteen twenty is a fair spot for them to be ranked to start the season.
0: Yeah, I think by the end of the season we can be knocking on the door of top ten, but but for now that's fine. Um, This weekend we are playing number twelve Wisconsin at noon on Fox. Why this game is not in November and why this game is not in prime time? I will not understand. Uh, I I currently teach with a colleague who's a big Wisconsin fan, and that was that was a conversation that he and I were having uh, this week. Like, why is this game not on prime time? I think it's because of the other games that are in prime time, but still, come on. Uh, all time in the series, Penn State leads ten to nine, and uh, PSU has won four in a row, including. Uh, 22 to 10 win in their last game in 2018 and the amazing comeback in the magical big 10 championship in 2016. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was, that was an, Oh, I still get shivers down my spine thinking of that comeback. So uh, definitely an exciting time looking ahead. As we also look ahead, we want to make our conference prediction winners. And so Caleb, let's go ahead. Let's run through these on the ACC. You and I both have Clemson, um, I have it because, you know, their Clemson and DJ Uwe Angalele has shown that he is a high-quality starter. Is that your thought behind it, behind the quarterback position, or uh, are there other factors leading you to pick Clemson?
1: Well, I mean, I think the team Clemson's going to play in the ACC title game is north carolina and they have an equally good quarterback in sam howell who could be the number Mm -hmm. one pick in next year's draft but sam howell lost his top two running backs lost his top two wide receivers in the draft this year clemson's getting um justin ross their top receiver back do we dj got some playing time last year when trevor lawrence had covid so i think the supporting cast around the quarterback to me is the main reason i got to go with clemson to win the conference
0: yeah, And then we also both picked the same Big 12 winner in Oklahoma, and I, I think it's for similar reasons as well. Lincoln Riley, I, I am of the personal belief that uh, Lincoln Riley just working at Oklahoma until Mike McCarthy gets fired from the Cowboys, and then Jerry Jones gets the guy that he wanted all along. Uh, Lincoln Riley, I, I believe, is just on another level whenever it comes to being an elite college coach. Personally, I hope he stays in the collegiate level because I think he does a great job with his spread offense, is the quarterback whisperer of college football. And uh, I just – I mean, Texas is obviously somebody who could compete with them, but I don't see it. I think Texas is in a weird, like, 15-year funk, um, whereas Oklahoma, I think, is is riding a wave of successes.
1: Yeah, we'll see if Spencer Rattler can reach the heights of Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, and Kyler Murray before him. But even if he doesn't quite get there – everything I've heard says this is maybe Oklahoma's best defense in recent memory. So Mm -hmm. combine a a prolific quarterback with Spencer Rattler with a top 25 even defense for Oklahoma. And yeah, I think they should be the runaway favorites here for the Big 12. And Steve Sarkeesian's first year at Texas. Iowa State gets a lot of praise for last year, and it was a great year. They still had three losses last year. One of them was to what Louisiana or something Mm -hmm. early in the year. So I'm I'm I think Iowa State's going to have a real good year, but I'm a little skeptical of them being a top 10 team in the country. We'll see. I hope they prove me wrong. I think they have a lot of talent coming back led by Brees Hall at running back. So but uh, yeah, I think Oklahoma really they probably should go 13 and zero through the conference title game.
0: Yeah, and, and I had thought about Iowa State, but with how Brock Purdy played last season, I just I don't know if they are. I, I don't know. If, that they're in the same league as Oklahoma is right now. Um, as we go down to the Pac 12, this is where this is our first difference. I think USC is going to win this conference. I think Clay Helton and uh, the USC teams in general are uh, well played and well coached. I really like their quarterback situation right now. I think Keaton Slavis is a, a very capable player. I think that having uh, Graham Harrell as our offensive coordinator, I feel like that is always really nice. Whenever you got a quarterback, uh, a former quarterback who is known for putting who is known for putting up crazy stats as your quarterback, uh, is helpful. I I just see too many potential weapons in USD, and I feel like the Pac-12 is another one of those conferences that's going through a weak phase right now. Um, I don't know, Caleb. Who's your pick?
1: I think USC will make the conference title game, but I have them losing to Oregon. I think mm. um, Oregon, they've been recruiting off the charts recently. I think they're been top five a couple times now. Mario Cristobal, I think, is the real deal up there in Eugene. So I think they're going to go on a roll. I think they're going to really challenge Ohio State when they play next weekend. And, um, yeah, I just think it's going to be Oregon's year, and I think they're going to be finally back to those Chip Kelly days.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I like Cristobal, and as of right now, was Kevon Thibodeau, their defensive end, is the current number one prospect for the pros next year in the draft. Uh, if that defense plays like Cristobal can coach him up, I can definitely see that happening. Uh, we'll see how this season ends up playing out, though. In the SEC, again, Caleb, we are divided. I mean, I'm going with Alabama. I think Bryce Young... You know, he took his time sitting on the bench, waited behind Mac Jones. Uh, It's his time to shine with how Nick Saban coaches. I think that he's going to have an awesome team. I think he's going to have a defense that's going to have several first-round picks over the next two years. So, you know, I got Bama. uh, But, Caleb, I know you have somebody else.
1: Yeah, I'm going with Georgia. I think this is their time. They almost had Bama a couple years ago in the national title game. I think they have they have the more experience at quarterback with JT Daniels. They actually know who their quarterback is going to be this year. Last year, mm-hmm. uh, their transfer from Wake Forest was going to be the starter. And then he opted out due to COVID, which I totally respect and get. But that, I think, kind of just threw a wrench in all their plans. George has been the number, a top three recruiting class basically every year. Kirby Smart's been there. Mm-hmm. I know that Nick Saban has a number on all of his assist, former assistant coaches. And I think that's going to be really no different with um with kirby smart you know he's beaten him plenty of times but i think george is going to get him this year the sec east is a little easier so i think they're going to be a, a maybe a little more rested team going into that conference championship game if alabama even gets there i think texas a&m is going to be really good on the west lsu i think is going to have a bounce back year. i think old miss is a sleeper team so i think the sec east is a little bit easier of a year. Florida has to replace Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts. Like we said, South Carolina starting a graduate assistant at quarterback. Mm-hmm. So after Georgia plays Clemson this week, I think they're going to have a pretty easy schedule the rest of the way, especially for an SEC schedule that I think that'll help them propel them past whoever they're playing in the in the SEC championship game.
0: Yeah, I mean, I certainly hope you're right. I, I do hope that that Georgia pulls out the SEC win here. Uh, you know, Kelp, you just brought up Ole Miss as a, as a team. You know, I'm hearing... Like, people are buying stock like crazy Ole Miss. And I don't know if it's just because of Matt Corral at quarterback or or what. I'm not totally sure, like, I buy that hype because I feel like I keep on hearing Ole Miss, Ole Miss, Ole Miss, but I haven't really seen much from them in, like, I don't know, five years. So maybe this is their season, but uh, I don't, I don't know. Where, where do you think that hype is coming from?
1: Yeah, I mean, Matt Corral... Remember, he put up like 375 yards passing and a bunch of rushing yards against Alabama last year. They had a, they were going back and forth for a while, something like a 50-40 mm-hmm. to 40 point game, something like that. So they're going to be able to score some points. It's whether their defense can stop someone like Bryce Young, stop Texas A&M's offense, LSU's offense. But um, hopefully, you know, hopefully they're – that's why, like I said, I just think the SEC West is going to be a real challenge this year. And, I mean, because of that – Ole Miss can easily go seven and five, something like that, with their tough right. schedule. But maybe they can break through and get to ten wins or so.
0: Yeah. And then our conference, the Big Ten. Uh, we both have Ohio State winning this. kill. why you pick Ohio State?
1: Um. Yeah. I mean, they just have the most talent. They got four four-star better quarterbacks. Just dealing with it there. Um, challenging there for quarterbacks. So, uh, you know. Whether or not C.J. Stroud is Justin Fields good or not, I just think the rest of their team—they got great running backs, great receivers. They have two projected first-round receivers. Mm -hmm. Um, Their defense is good; it's going to be good as always. So, whether or not C.J. Stroud is good or not, I don't think really matters because they can just bring in Kyle McCord or someone else and probably not miss a beat.
0: Yeah, and like you said, the the depth of that roster is why I have them picked, and I think Ryan Day is a really good head coach. Um, as as again, as frustrating as it is to say, he he does a good job coaching his boys, and uh, that team is looking dangerous. I am kind of hoping though that that they there's been some talk that Ohio State could have a kind of slump this year, but I kind of feel like that's that's all uh, that's all bark no bite. So. Uh, Yeah, I think Ohio State wins this. Whenever we get to the college football playoffs, my predictions right now, uh, I see Alabama as the SEC winner and as a perennial powerhouse in college football. Uh, Going back to the college football playoffs, I see Clemson there. uh, I see Ohio State, and I see Oklahoma uh, all going there. Who my national championship winner is right now, if I were to pick, I don't know if I necessarily could. um, Because... Because of how many, how many, or how much talent left for the pros, and just with how weird last season was, like I feel like it would be really hard to to choose. I'd probably lean. I'd probably lean honestly toward Clemson, which is a boring answer. Uh, Or if not Clemson, I could see this being Oklahoma season too. How about you, Caleb?
1: Yeah, I've got some same teams. I got Clemson. I got Oklahoma. So I have the different SEC champ. I'll go with Georgia instead of Obama. And I've got Oregon there. I think, like I said, I think Oregon might be able to beat Ohio State when they play early on in the season. If they do that, they're going to have the inside track over Ohio State to make the playoffs. So that's, that's the difference I got there. I got Oregon instead of Ohio State, which means I got the Big Ten being left out this year mm-hmm. for the playoffs. And for the team, I think it's going to win it all. I'm gonna say Lincoln Riley does it with Spencer Rattler. They got the the experience at quarterback. I know DJ Uianguale has got some experience there for Clemson, but um, yeah, I think I'll I'll go with Oklahoma to go 15 and 0 this year and win the win the playoff.
0: Yeah, I mean that Oklahoma, I think is who I want to win. They're like my heart pick, but then you know, like the like boring pick would be Clemson. So. I'm going to be with you and, and hope that Oklahoma uh, brings us home. Let's go ahead and look at the Heisman Trophy. This is a, you know, some seasons I'm like, yes, they totally picked the right guy. Some seasons I get incredibly frustrated uh, by who they picked. Last season with Devontae Smith, I felt like that was a pretty okay pick looking back on it. Or, or a good, it was obviously a great pick. He was an awesome athlete, but between him and some of the other athletes, there are other people that maybe could have gotten the nod. Um, but, you know, good for Devontae Smith. He, I think he's going to light it up in the pros, too. My pick this season for the Heisman is somebody that I was a fan of last year, a member of my Quarantine. It is Spencer Rattler, but I have to be honest. I sat here for a while and was wrestling back and forth between Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell out of Caleb's Quarantine, uh, North Carolina. I think Sam Howell's a really good player quarterback I think this is going to be one of the closer Heisman races and like I I could see it being Spencer Rattler just edging out Sam Howell how about you Caleb who's your Heisman pick
1: I'm going with Matt Corral out of Ole Miss um we maybe he's getting too much hype now that um he's not the out of left field pick that Devontae Smith would have been at this time last year or Joe Burrow would have been at this time two years ago so it's been someone that's been kind of off the radar a little bit for the last two years so maybe Matt Corral doesn't quite fit that bill but he's not in the top five or six quarterbacks here you know he's not up there with the Spencer Rattler Sam Howell Dujia Uyangile C.J. Stroud all these guys that are on the top teams so I I think if Matt Corral and Ole Miss can win 10 games or so this year. I think they're going to be putting up points left and right. He might be throwing and rushing for a combined 400 or more yards per game, scoring, you know, multiple touchdowns every game. I think um, Matt Corral can put up the numbers. It's whether or not his team is good enough for him to be in the conversation at the end.
0: Right. Well, Caleb, that's all the news. That's all the coverage of uh, our predictions. And so I guess there's really only one thing left to do. Who you got? Who you got? Season three, baby. So start us off, Kale, because we also we have a recap and we also have some new information this year.
1: Yep, I won last season. You won the first season. So we are going for the tiebreaker here for season mm-hmm. three. Who will pull ahead two season victories to one? This year we are adding our underdog pick and... To classify that, they got to be at least a 10 point underdog by Vegas. You know, whatever you see on espn.com or whatever websites you use, we're doing that this year. If you get it right, you get a point. If not, you don't. Basically, just like anything else, it's not going to count against you, though, if you get this pick wrong. So, Phil, who are you going to go with?
0: yeah so you know let, let's first point out also the reason why we're doing this underdog pick is because some college game day show out there that I really like and I spend a lot of time on Saturday mornings watching has an underdog pick and it always frustrates me that it's just oh this this team covers the spread and it'll be like a five point spread and so you know Caleb and I in the off season talked about like let's actually you know go out there and let's make some bold predictions and so uh, I'm excited about the underdog pick too. Spent a lot of time going back and forth and and looking up and down the stat sheet. I looked at the UAB Jacksonville State game as an option uh, and and picking uh, Jacksonville State as the winner there. But ultimately... I decided to be a homer and go with Temple because I couldn't believe they were a 14 and a half point underdog to Rutgers of all schools. I think that, you know, last season, I think Temple was like one and four, one and five, or something. They had an off or they had they had a really bad year. But before that, they were pretty decent. I think they might have been like eight and five or uh not eight and five, but well no, eight and five maybe after the bowl or, or something. Um so like I can see Temple going in and whooping up on the Scarlet Knights, who are the laughing stock of the Big Ten and uh starting my year off with an underdog win. Caleb, who you got?
1: I'm going with South Dakota over Kansas. Kansas is a 15 and a half point favorite in this game. South Dakota, I know they were an FCS school, but they are a really good FCS school. They mm-hmm. were I think they made it to the semifinals of the SCS playoffs last year. And Kansas kind of like Rutgers. Why should we have any belief in them? They're apparently one of the worst teams in FBS football. I know usually their one or two wins a year come from beating FCS schools, but South Dakota is a quality FCS opponent, so I can see South Dakota pulling off this upset.
0: Yeah, and Kansas was also in the offseason a lot this uh, this year for some not uh, great reasons. Next game we got here, we have University of Texas Martin versus Western Kentucky at Western Kentucky. You may be asking, why are we picking Western Kentucky? And that must mean you are new to listening to the show. So let me explain it really quick. In college, we used to play NCAA football. We loved it. It was awesome. Dynasty mode, can't wait for the next version. Caleb used to play as Western Kentucky perennially one of the worst teams in college football for a long time. And Caleb would make him like a, made them like a 10-time national champion. Uh, or, or something like that. And over time, Western Kentucky has slowly become a halfway decent team. So we always pick them because they're like the unofficial team, whereas Penn State is like the official team of our podcast. University of Texas Martin played uh, in spring last season, went 3-4. and four. Western Kentucky did have a kind of down year at 5-7. and seven. I believe Tyrell Pigram was their starting quarterback last mm-hmm. year. Uh, but, Caleb, in this matchup, who you got?
1: Yeah, I'm going with Western Kentucky. Yeah. UT Martin I think is an FCS school so mm-hmm. Western Kentucky should be able to handle this one it's why they are a three touchdown favorite in this game D'Angelo Moses their defensive end is back this year he came back after a disappointing season last year so I think he'll rack up a couple sacks this year and lead them to victory Phil who you got
0: I mean you got Bailey Zappi who was from what was what was the name Houston of the Baptist. Baptist what was it
1: Houston Baptist
0: yeah Houston Baptist we really, we really enjoyed following his story last year, uh, and so now that he's with Western Kentucky and the Hilltoppers, I think they're going to go and uh, start the season off one and zero and taking that W. All
1: right, next up here we got my quarantine from last year in North Carolina, ranked number ten at Virginia Tech. This is a Friday night game. Virginia Tech is a five and a half point underdog. Uh, they lead the all-time series twenty-four twelve and six ties. Although UNC won last year, fifty-six forty-five, real high-scoring game. Phil, who you got?
0: Uh, my assistant principal is a big Hokies fan. He uh, he is diehard, and uh, I'm sure that like he would love to hear me say like, "Oh yeah, like I think Virginia Tech is going to win this game." Absolutely. You know, they have all these intangibles, but he doesn't listen to this podcast as far as I'm aware. And uh, if he did, I'd have some awful news. I think UNC is going to wipe the floor with him. I can't believe this is only a five and a half point spread. I think Sam Howell is going to come in. I think they're going to work out the issues at running back because Mac Brown is a great coach. And uh I mean, I see them winning this by
1: at least 10. Who you got, Caleb? Yeah, I'm taking North Carolina as well. It's a good early test for them to see how their new offensive playmakers will stack up with Sam Howell there, playing a division rival there right away, playing an in-conference game instead of playing a cupcake to start the season. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a good test for UNC early to see if they really are a top-ten team like the rankers say they are.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Then we head down to the next game. we got number 16 LSU as a three-point favorite. That's right, three-point favorite at UCLA. This is the first-ever time these teams are meeting. Caleb, who you got?
1: I'm taking the Chip Kelly bait one more time. I'm going with UCLA for the upset. They've already played a game, so I think that gives them a little bit of an advantage. I do think LSU is going to have a bounce-back year this year and be pretty good, hence their number 16 ranking in the poll. But I think UCLA is going to give them their first loss of the season. Phil, who you got?
0: Yeah, I mean, I refuse to drink the Chip Kelly Kool-Aid anymore, uh, and I think this is going to be the LSU comeback tour, and I can't wait to hear Coach Odron saying to them, like, (laughs) and so I picked LSU.
1: (laughs) Next up, we got number one, Alabama, 19-and-a-half-point favorite playing against number 14, Miami, Florida. Alabama is 14-3 and all-time against Miami. The last meeting was in the 1993 Sugar Bowl. Alabama won 34-13. Phil, who you got
0: Yeah this is a game where I wanted to pick an upset but like I think the like people talk and talk about Derek King and I have even fallen in in previous seasons into his hype train but I don't like I don't really think he's that great of a quarterback anymore like he he's I'd call him like a a little bit better than average quarterback and so the 34-13 win in 1993 I could absolutely see being the score of this game, Uh, but I think it could even be bigger than that. So I am picking Bama. Caleb, who you got?
1: I'm going with Alabama as well. I'm going to go in the opposite direction. I think it's going to be much closer than the 19 and a half point spread. You got Derek King. I know he's coming off an injury, I think. But um, I think he you got the experience at quarterback against Bryce Young in his first career start. Big-time environment, big-time game there against Miami, Florida. So I think it'll be a close game, maybe a 7, 10-point spread instead of 19 and a half. But I still think Alabama wins this game. Mm-hmm.
0: Next game, this is one I'm I'm very excited about. It's number 17 Indiana at number 18 Iowa. Iowa is a three-point favorite and has also won the last three matchups. Caleb, who you got?
1: Yeah, this was a really, really tough one for me. (laughs) I know Iowa's tough to play at home, but Indiana's coming off a great year. They got Michael Penix Jr. back at quarterback this year. I think both these teams are gonna have pretty good years. They're both ranked in the preseason. I think Indiana, Indiana is for like the first time in a really long time. I'm going to go Indiana. I think they just have the better quarterback. I think Michael mm-hmm. Penix Jr. is going to be out. I think he could win Offensive Player of the Year in the Big Ten this year, and it'll start this this weekend when they beat Iowa. Phil, who you got?
0: Yeah, like you said, it was it's tough to pick. I think that's why I'm so excited about it. Uh, I had initially expected Iowa to be the underdog because of what you said, Michael Penix Jr., um, but and so and so like I I wasn't really sure where to go ultimately because of how the home crowd is at Iowa. I think that can make the difference, which is not something I I will frequently say about pro sports, but I will say about college and and I think Iowa's fans can help deliver them the the victory, but it's going to be an awesome game I think either way. So I got Iowa.
1: Next up, we got another top 25 matchup, number 23, Louisiana, at number 21, Texas. Texas is the eight point home favorite and has won both all time meetings back in 2000 and 2005. Bill, who you got?
0: Good for Louisiana being ranked this week. I unfortunately don't think it will continue to next week. I got Texas winning this one easy. Who you got?
1: I have Texas, too, just because Steve Sarkisian's first game. I'm a little lower on both these teams. I don't know if I'd have either of these teams ranked at the moment. I don't mm-hmm. know really what Texas has shown you recently to prove that they should be a ranked team. And Louisiana had a great year last year, so I'm fine with them being ranked, but I think they're going to fall off a little bit this year. Yeah. And so, yeah, like I said, I think Texas will get this victory off, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if neither of these teams are ranked in a month or so.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if if they both are unranked at the end of the season. Although, like again, maybe Texas will do something crazy. Another game that Caleb you and I are both excited for. This is a top 5 matchup. This is going to be awesome. It's going to be number 5 Georgia versus number 3 Clemson. Clemson, the 3 point favorite. Georgia leads the series all time. Get ready for this. 42-18 and 4. Wow, what a one-sided uh rivalry there. Or I guess it isn't even a rivalry. They aren't in the same conference. Georgia won last time they played in 2014, 45-21. Again, this is going to be an awesome game. Caleb, who you got?
1: I'm going with Georgia. Um, I think they're the better team this year right now. These are two really good teams. Obviously, two teams I picked to make the playoff. The thing is, with their schedules, you know, Georgia being in the SEC East, Clemson being in the ACC, I don't know if this game really matters for each team, either mm-hmm. team. If they go on and win their remaining 12 games, including the conference championship game, they're obviously both going to be in the playoff anyways. Yep. So, I, I like this game. I'm glad these two teams scheduled each other. Um, I hope that whoever loses this game, it doesn't hurt them if they when it comes to playoff time or anything like that but um yeah i'm going with georgia on this one i'm going i think i think this game means more to kirby smart i think he needs to win this game more than more than Dabo sweeney does at clemson he's i think he's already up there you know he's got his national championship so i'm going with georgia on this one phil who you got
0: all right. So I know I know you like Georgia more from a talent perspective. I actually feel that way about Clemson uh, from their defense. And I think they're I think they have the better quarterback at the end of the day, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, maybe JT Daniels will will surprise me. It's going to be an awesome game. But uh, at the end of the day, I have the boring pick and I'm going with the favorite. I'm picking Clemson.
1: All right, finally here as always, number 19, Penn State at number 12, Wisconsin. Wisconsin is a five and a half point favorite. This has gone up. It started out as four or four and a half. Mm-hmm. It's up to five and a half now. Wisconsin, they went four and three last year, kind of disappointing, just like Penn State, their season was a little more impacted by COVID than Penn State's was. Phil, who you got?
0: Yeah, I'm surprised that you know those numbers kept going or that the numbers went up. Uh frankly, because if you look at Wisconsin's quarterback, Graham Mertz. There was a time where, like, I was, I was, you know, injecting the Graham Mertz Kool Aid into, like, directly into my veins, but then he kind of fell apart and was very bleh, uh, and so I don't really think, like, and I'm looking at their roster right now. I just don't see as much hype about them as others do, and so. Like I got I got the I guess we'll call it the upset. Uh you know, I got the upset win and I know I'm a Penn State fan so it's probably like oh he's so biased but it's also from a perspective of we've had Wisconsin's number in the past, uh, especially whenever they've been ranked ahead of us. I think we have more talent than them. So I have Penn State winning this game 27 to 17. So how do you like that for a turnaround? Caleb, who you got?
1: Yep. I'm going with Penn State too close one 23 to 20. I think people are giving Graham Mertz a pass. I think he had COVID last year. He dominated Mm -hmm. that first game of the season. I think it was the Friday night game. It's the first game of the Big Ten season. Yeah. And then he struggled after that after getting COVID. So I can understand giving him a pass, but Wisconsin's apparently already having some off-the-field troubles. One of their running backs got kicked off the team. Another one got suspended. Um, I know they have a good – a high recruit coming in at running back, which they didn't really have last year to kind of finally replace Jonathan Taylor there. They're they're really good at obviously uh, producing running back talent, but um, like you said, it's an early game. It's a noon kickoff. Apparently, Wisconsin's known for showing up late, so throwing that it's an eleven a.m. local time kickoff. I don't think the student section's going to be there. You know, mm-hmm. for a good majority of the first quarter. So, if Penn State, especially if they can get out to a lead early, I think they can. Hold hold off Wisconsin. Hold off their rushing attack. If you can get out to lead earlier, they can't obviously run the ball as much. They're going to need to throw the ball a little more. And while Graham Mertz may be the best quarterback they've had since Russell Wilson, I don't think he's as talented as Russell Wilson. And I think uh, Penn State's going to pull off the upset.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. Now you have the game a little bit closer than I do. You have Penn State winning twenty three to twenty. Uh, mm-hmm. Either way, you know I I do think we get off uh, on the right foot, and uh, we're both in lockstep on that. So go go us picking our picking our favorite team, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Well, want to go ahead and take some time to thank the listeners for tuning into the Caleb and Phil football podcast. Again, we're just a couple buddies from college who decided that instead of making our wives listen to us, talk about college football all the time, we would just, you know, start a podcast and talk about it. So uh, we really appreciate you taking time and listening to our totally amateur thoughts and opinions on this. Uh, Well, or at least my totally amateur thoughts and opinions. Caleb does a good job crunching numbers on this kind of stuff, but, um, would love for you to connect with us on Twitter at CPFB podcast. And if you listen to the show and you like what you hear, we would love for you to uh, consider giving us a positive rating in Apple podcasts and share, you know, share us with your friends. We love talking college football, so feel free to reach out and and chat with us. We'd love to chat with you. Caleb, any final words of wisdom before we sign off for the night?
1: Go Penn State. We are.